Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoon. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. Well, 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 my friends, this has been the most amazing whirlwind time of my life. Um, And today's episode and conversation has been, in my mind, long coming. But for you guys, you only found out about this really cool baton pass that I recently did in August of 2020. Um, Today's guest is Sarah Ratzliff. She is the new owner of Skirt Sports. So I'm gonna, I want to kind of share a little background with you here before we get into this beautiful human being that you're going to hear so much from today because, like me, she's really good at sharing. <laughs> Let's just say that. So you put us together and, oh my gosh, we could keep going for hours. So let me tell you a little story here. I'm going to bring you back in time to one year ago. It was August of 2019, and I could no longer sleep. I would wake up in the middle of the night, and my brain would not shut off, and it wasn't because I was excited. Um, If you recall, I had just received word from our biggest account, which was Amazon, that they had decided with no notice to simply not take the inventory they had committed to that season. And of course, in your mind, you say, well, why don't they go after Amazon? Well, because it's Amazon (laughs) and that's how they sometimes do business. You're kind of at their mercy, which is a super bummer for smaller brands to realize that one kind of area of risk could put everything in jeopardy. So what happened is, first thing that happened is my thigh started twitching. And I it literally did not stop twitching for three months. And whoever gets a twitch in your thigh? Very few people. I'd never had one before, so I knew that it was related to the stress I was feeling. Um, and I couldn't stop that negative thought cycle. And I didn't know how to deal with it because I don't usually have it. I mean, I'd been here before in business where I was faced with something really brutally tough, but I always found a way around it. And even though I'd been there before, I hadn't been in this exact place um, where I, I literally could not come up with a solution quickly. And it was killing me. So... I guess after a little while of laying in bed, a few weeks of laying in bed and watching the twitch in my thigh keep rolling, (laughs) I did what I've always done in business. I started moving forward again, one mile at a time. And the way I always looked at it is when you're at the starting line of a marathon or an Ironman or a 10K or a 5K, you know there's a finish line out there. You just you can't focus on it 
you have to focus on the one, two, three miles ahead of you. You just kind of have to focus on one mile at a time. And, and when you get to the next aid station, you can take a breath and figure out if you're still on course, etc. So that's what I did. So in October, November, December, we just started selling inventory and we started bailing water and we started getting ourselves out of the situation that we found ourselves in. And it really was difficult because, you know, we all like to control things in our life. And I, I couldn't control the situation we were in. All I could do was my best to move us forward out of it. So what you don't know is that I had been dreaming of an amazing exit in a sense for myself and my investors um, to, to take this beautiful company I had built and someday hand it off or ultimately, hopefully sell it and make some money um, to an, another party who understood the vision and wanted to take it forward. And right before we got that news in August, 2019, I was working on doing that. But what happened is that when we got that news, it put me in a tailspin because I went from having multiple growth years that were profitable to all of a sudden realizing that I was not only not going to be profitable in 2019, we were going to probably lose more money than we had 10 years combined. So it was pretty brutal because you can't really go out and sell a business in a positive way when you're in that position. But that's all we really could do is get ourselves out of that position. So here we go entering 2020 and realizing that, you know, it's funny because the first thing I thought when I entered 2020 was, thank God 2019 is behind us. Let's have an awesome 2020. And it's hilarious because now we laugh because about one to two months later, we, this, this thing called the coronavirus infiltrated our society and, you know, healthy businesses would suffer from the coronavirus. We were not a healthy business yet. We had some more time and work to do to get our business model back on track without this big account on board anymore. And, um, I just realized in April that it wasn't going to happen. And so at that time, I decided that it would be smarter to take steps towards shutting down my business than to have a brick wall hit me in the face and have everything sort of crumble. The last thing I wanted was for banks and vendors to be chasing me around the rest of my life asking for money. I wanted to end things as positively as I could. And while I was ending... In my mind, I still had this thought that maybe just maybe I would find a new owner who wanted to take this legacy forward and keep this community of amazing women connected. And uh, so that's what I did. I went forward. And when you have a positive mindset like that, and even though it was a difficult time, I was open. And you know what happened? An email hit my inbox in late April of 2020 this year, just a few months ago, and it was today's guest. 
Sarah Ratzliff. And she was not emailing me to buy the business. She was emailing me to do something marketing related. And I wrote her back and I was like, no, I would not like to do a marketing initiative with you, but if you would like to buy my company, let's talk. And what's really cool is that like I was at the time, Sarah was also open. She was open and willing. And that's the important part. Not only willing, but after she thought about it more, she was excited. And she just realized that this is the next thing she was supposed to do. So today, you're going to hear from her. And the big question, as I have passed the baton over a, the, you know, a few weeks ago, is who is this woman who hides behind the clipboard, putting together these amazing destination races and really cool events and experiences for, for other women? But who is she? And here's what I say. It's time for her to shine It is her time in the spotlight. My gift is connecting and celebrating women. Holy shit, and I'm just saying it right now, we need to celebrate her. She is a brilliant visionary. Here's a little ditty on her before you get to hear from her yourself. Sarah spent her childhood in rural Kansas. She spent her working adulthood honing her love of events and sport through helping develop the Run Disney Race Series. This was really important because after a while of working in this corporate environment, even though it was Disney, you know, happiest place in the world, she realized that her happiness was in jeopardy and her ability to balance her lifestyle as a a mom of two young kids, it just wasn't working. So she decided to become an entrepreneur a few years ago and bought an existing women's race series called the Zuma Women's Race Series. And uh, she just breathed new life into it and turned it into this beautiful, thriving organization. And as I mentioned, she's a mom of two young kids. Right now, she's freaking homeschooling them while buying skirt sports and... uh, trying to manage Zuma on the side here, but at the core of it all, she loves helping women find happiness. And she's driven to make this world an equal playing field for women. It is a huge passion of hers. For me, I could not have found a better fit. And I'm honored to help bring Sarah's story to the world. So on that note, it's time to let Sarah shine. Okay. You look really good, though. So well, thank like- you. I literally did my makeup. Like I don't. I I'm I get nervous when I have to do that. The voice I'm okay with. Video, not a fan. I don't. I don't like watching this. <laughs> we need to use this part. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel really good because I'm sitting here in my new Zuma Run Club hat. Yeah. You got some good gear. I got like the best gear. There was like one medium fleece jacket left and I snagged it. And then this like kind of cool denim. It's cute, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I like it a lot. A little embroidery on there. Yes. But look what, like my ears stick out, but you know, there It might be a little large. It's like a little big for your head maybe. (laughs) 
but it's like there wouldn't I don't know that you could run in it maybe Sarah I don't run that much anymore <laughs> don't you remember Me either that? yeah I know. Well, how is it that two women who have run organizations that involve women's running don't actually run that mm-hmm. much anymore ourselves uh because I didn't cross train and I hurt myself and had two kids and nothing works right anymore (laughs) but I miss it and I I I'm hoping I'm hoping that I will get back here soon (laughs) it's on the list when homeschooling is over then I Um, will there's like 5,000 things on the list right now for us to talk about and I mean the biggest thing is that you, my darling, just became the owner and visionary of quite possibly the largest organization for women runners right now in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yes. How's that feel? Um, it's exciting. It's exciting. We get to run together and hang out together, and now we get to make skirts together and pants and shorts and all kinds of cute stuff. Yeah, Bras. we we gonna make whatever we want, <laughs> and we're actually women making the stuff. I mean, that's it's not. Yeah, that's really the key. I mean, let me just tell you one thing. I we can go crazy on all the stuff we want to make. Believe me. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just definitely put a date on the calendar of when we might actually make jeans, and let's not make oh. it m- less than ten years in the future because. <laughs> I really always wanted to make jeans and really? constantly bring it up. Yeah. But um, oh. it's constantly a really bad idea because really you can't run in them. So yeah. unless we can figure that out, <laughs> yes. we can table that one category of product. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. I'm not, I'm just learning how to make skirts right now. So if I could have like a couple years, at least a couple months, that would. That would be good. Honestly, I could not. This has been such a crazy freaking whirlwind. And I feel like having you on the podcast is like we're already ahead. I already know who you are. We're like friends. We're we're excited about the future. The world doesn't know who you are. It's like the big unveiling. (laughs) Who is this woman who has hidden behind the clipboard for a decade of her life and now suddenly she's running, you know, this huge enterprise. It's time to find out who is the real Sarah Ratzliff. Are you sure I can't just keep hiding behind the clipboard? I'm like, okay with that. Spreadsheets, clipboards, all of that. Um. Yeah, that's not going to happen anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for me to become your agent. I'm ready. Yeah. Let's get you out there in the spotlight, sister. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk all about the skirts and all the stuff we're going to make. But let's talk about that later. Okay. We got to learn more about you. We need the world to know who you are. Let's Let's just talk about where you came from. Let's start there. Where I came, um, well, not far from where you are in Colorado. Um, I grew up on a little uh, farm in Kansas, literally in the middle of nowhere. Um, it was a nine-hour drive to Colorado. I remember it distinctly because I was actually born in Colorado, Fort Collins, 
Um, but we, all my family is from tiny little town in Kansas, bunch of farmers. So wait, you yeah. were like on a working farm, like were there livestock and tomatoes and corn? <laughs> <laughs> yes. We had like an acre, like large, um, uh, um, garden. So one of my, one of my most disliked memories of the summer was having to mulch and we, and I'm allergic to everything. So, um, so we were, we did, we had some livestock, but, um, mainly we had, it was more crop farming, like alfalfa and wheat and things like that. Um, and so, um, you know, we had to, I had to get in the, the grain bins and shovel grain. I it was terrible. I was asthmatic. So I, I was wheezing. And when you grow up in a farm community, no one's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You're having an asthma attack. They're like, you need to suck it up and get back in there and shovel some more. Wait, <laughs> like it's you- It's a true story. You had this yeah. like amazing garden and and it was filled with alfalfa and wheat? Like well, that's that was not even fun. <laughs> well, oh. the garden, so we had a garden okay. that was like, we grew green beans and peppers and okay. tomatoes. Got it. So my fam- my mom was kind of like a little bit of a hippie and my dad too. And they kind of had this vision of living off of the, the earth. And, you know, we, my mom made, she made everything from scratch. You know, so we never had like we didn't get Duncan Hines. We got, you know, flour, the, baking the soda, and butter. Yes, which you know is wonderful because there's so much to it. But I, you know, I'll what when I would get asked for my birthday what I wanted for a cake, I would be like, "Could you please buy me a mix um, from the store and then put the can frosting?" On top? That was like my jam. You know, that was a big treat because we never really got that. But yeah, we we canned. I mean, I could tell you how to can green beans. Um, we, you know, we grew all of that stuff. And then around it, so my family, um, I don't know if you know this, but in, in Kansas, um, back in the day, your family, if it lived on, so they'd give you like this plot because nobody wanted to live in, nobody actually wanted to live in Kansas, especially in the middle of the, of the state. And so they'd give you like a hundred acres and if you would live, you'd pay like a dollar for it and you'd live on it for, I, I don't know, I think you had to live on it for 10 years or something. Maybe it was seven and you, then it was homesteaded and it was yours. So that's what my whole family, my dad had seven brothers and sisters. We all lived on this huge, um, you know, area of, of land and then farmed that hundred acres. I, I may have my history off a little. I just want to say if there's any like history buffs on here, but you get the gist. They gave us free land. We had to live on it and then we farmed it is what happened. You know, we may have some history buffs, but really we care a little more about health and fitness on this podcast. But, um, like you were like a settler. (laughs) You were like, we must farm our land. (laughs) Yes, that's pretty much that's pretty much what it was. So, were you alone in this family? You have parents. What you said, they're kind of hippie-ish. Yeah. How about your siblings? Yeah. So I had uh, my two parents um, and my brother. My brother Ian is about a year and a half younger than me. Is what he is. Okay, so 
how did all this translate? Like, do you make everything from scratch and do you can your own green beans and, you know, harvest grains no. and have a garden? No, no. none no. of that. No, even in my house now, my mom will come over cause she lives close by and she, she wanted to plant some tomato plants and I love fresh, like there's nothing better than stuff made, you know, that comes from the earth. Um, but, uh, I, you know, she planted some plants and I just, they just, they died because I just didn't really care. You know, because I, I really, every summer here, I'm, I was spent, you know, you take, I mean, I can envision it. I'm, we, I'm, you know, pulling weeds and I've got to get the green beans off. We would do, our neighbors would hire us to come pull corn off of the stalks. I mean, you name it. The last thing I want is, and I, I do love being close to the earth. Like I like getting dirty, but I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to garden really probably ever again. Maybe when I like have nothing to do, but but it's probably would still be low on my, low on my list. Which so. is going to be a long time because you're going to have a lot to do for, a, for a good time to come yeah. here. Like yes, more that's, than that's is, yeah, more than yeah. is humanly possible. So this like yeah. background that really kind of made you tough. Why mm-hmm. do we all rebel against what we did as kids <laughs> or like what our parents, like, I don't know. I, don't know. I think it's funny because my mom, there was a natural food store in town called the home economist. And they mm-hmm. had this machine where you make, you like ground your peanuts into peanut butter yeah. and they sold this bread that was like all grains. And my mom would buy that stuff. And I'd be like, I want to go over to that person's house because they have Wonder Bread and, yes. and like salami, yes. you know? That's it. Bologna, all oh. those process. Yeah. Oh my yes. God. I know. It's I so told, funny. And, well, and it's so funny because now my daughter, she is um, eight. And she is in love with horses. That is not of my doing by any means. And she wants to live on a farm and she wants to have a garden and all these animals. And I have, I think about that, like, oh, I should get her a farm. Maybe we'll, you know, move to, and I nearly have panic attacks thinking about having to live back out in the country. You know, I just, I, it's beautiful and I love visiting there, but. I really enjoy being in suburbia. I really, I just enjoy it. I can call and they deliver food to me. The grocery store's right over there. There's people that live by me. It's just, you know, it's just a funny. You don't have to walk two miles for your mail. No, no, (laughs) we don't have to do that. So let's clarify. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by suburbia? Where are you right now? Um, Orlando. So I... Uh, moved to Orlando, gosh, 2005. Um, I took an internship with Disney. So I had gone to get my master's degree in sport management. Um, And a part of that was an internship. And I honestly, I had never actually been to Disney before. We went to Disneyland one time when I was young. And so, um, but the Disney internship program, um, so I was a little bit older when I went back for my master's. And um, I had already accumulated a large amount of debt and bills by that time. And so I needed an internship that paid me more than $0, which was a lot of 
you know, a lot of this, I looked at golf, I looked at football, you know, a variety of things. Um, and Disney paid the most. Um, so that's, and I, you know, it was a good opportunity as well. There was, it's the wide world of sports and all these different things. And keep in mind, I had never, um, I had never run. I mean, running was um, punishment for my sports. Like I played you know, basketball, volleyball, rugby, all that. I had never run a 5k to maybe when I was young, but nothing that I like went out and thought, you know, and, um, and so, um, I had, I, and let's be clear when I say that this internship paid more than others, it paid $15,000 a year. So, um, I was like, it was amazing when I got that, <laughs> I got that internship. And I was, I think I was 28, 29 and, um, and, you know, they called me and at the time it was, it was the, the Disney's endurance series. I, you know what, we hadn't even named it that it was just a mishmash of like the Danskin triathlon and, uh, we had the Disney marathon and, um, what else? Like, oh, there was a half Ironman here. I mean, there was a mishmash. And they called and they were like, hey, well, we are going to offer you this internship for, for the, the endurance team. And I, and I, it's funny because I was like, well, I, you know, I really wanted the, in, I wanted the sponsorship one. C could I like, make, is there a reason I didn't get that, <laughs> that one? And uh, they were like, no, 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 you're going to love this. This is great. You're going to meet everybody. And, you know, sure enough, I did. I just, um that, like I said, that was 15 years ago, 2005, you would have just started skirt sports a, a year before that. I mean, the industry really wasn't even, it's hard to believe that was 15 years ago. It was not defined. It wasn't, it was nothing like what it is, what it is now, you know? Um, and so anyways, you ask how I, I'm in suburbia of Orlando. So I had, you know, moved to Disney and then just kind of stayed here as I, um, left Disney and bought Duma and, and, um, worked on that. You know, this was, it's a nice area. It's nice to be in Florida. It's nice. You can be active outside all the time. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, a couple funny things. The first one is that I love that you chose the internship based on the money and the <laughs> money was $15,000 a year. So, I mean, Hey, I always wow. like to say, you know, and this is a big lesson that followed me through even this past year, that whenever you make decisions purely on money, they're usually not the mm. right decisions, <laughs> are they? <laughs> but in this case, it sounds like it was a good decision. Yeah. But I also realized that we kind of like just sort of bypassed about 15 years of your life. Like, oh, yeah. Like you were, here you were like hucking grain out of the <laughs> silo or something. And then all of a sudden you're like applying postgraduate degree. <laughs> just yes. So like you mentioned sports and rugby. I, I had the distinct yeah. pleasure of seeing some amazing photos of you playing hardcore <laughs> rugby. Um, so maybe yeah, let's, talk about, yeah. let's talk about, let's talk about formative rural years <laughs> of like getting through school and then, you know, going to college in Kansas and all that good stuff. Yes. Well, okay. And, um, yeah, that was a quite a leap from shucking corn to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to being at Disney. Um, well, you know, it's funny. My dad was, um, he was always, he was a very good athlete. 
very good. He was a good basketball player, a good baseball player, but his family had never really supported him playing sports. It just sort of wasn't a thing. So, uh, and, and my mom, this, I was, she always loved sports as well. But at the time, you know, women, she would tell me, well, we couldn't even play basketball. We played half court basketball back and forth, you know, and she really enjoyed, um, she always enjoyed being active. Like my family walked all the time. Just, we would go, I mean, there was nothing to do. So we'd have a family dinner and, you know, this is all the extended family. And then we'd go for like a four mile walk around the, so there's sections. I don't know if you know this in farm country, there's, it's one mile by one mile by one mile by one mile. So you would walk the section and that's four miles. Well, sometimes we'd get crazy and do like eight, but it was just, and then we would bike all these different places. So it was something I just grew up with as kind of being active. And um, I was a little bit of an awkward kid, um, but I volunteered to play YMCA basketball in third grade. I remember our PE teacher, Mr. Blario came in and he was like, hey, it was in music class. I can tell you exactly where I was sitting. It was like this round area. And they were like, does anyone want to play YMC basketball? Raise your hand. And I, we had played sports, but never, it wasn't like anyone was like, Sarah, you're really good at sports. Why don't you go ahead and do that? <laughs> you know, it was actually like I was a chunky little kid. I was sort of like just awkward. I was always very smart but not necessarily, I don't know how to say that. I don't know what to what Coordinated to and like. Coordinated. Yeah, I got That's it. That's the word. Yeah. So Mr. Blair comes in. He's like, does anybody want to play? And I shoot my hand up in the air and I end up playing YMCA basketball and it was terrible. And, um, you know, but I, <clears throat> I really stuck with it and I really loved um, being a part of a team. And so that just, and sports were such an integral part of my family. We just grew up, you know, doing that. We played basketball, we played football, we played, um, you know, I ended up playing uh, volleyball and running track. I was, um, I was a sprinter. So I ran the four by 100. I was a hurdler, all of those things. So it just sort of was like, I played all three sports in high school. It was just what I, it was what I did. It was how I connected with, um, girl you know other girls at the time and it's just there's just something i like my like my pack of like nerdy smart friends and then there was like you know the the team that whatever team we were playing on and um so it's interesting because that thread just sort of ran throughout my whole life um of finding how women can come together and support each other through through sports, you know, and, and then you have a group, you talk about everything, you talk about bowel movements, you talk about periods, you talk about boys, you talk about, I mean, you know, that's just kind of your girl gang is, is what it is. So, um, well, and here's the funny thing, Nicole, is um, as important as sports were to me and being active, um, I was, I always knew academics would lead for me. So I was going to be a surgeon I I had I wrote I had written papers on like the first guy who had done heart I mean I, when I say I'm a nerd like for real that's I'm not just like it's a real thing 
thing. But I had written papers. I wanted to be this doctor. And um, and so I was like, you know, I'm going to put sports on the back burner. And um, I'm going to go to a college because I knew I couldn't get a scholarship at a D1 school. But I really wanted a solid education. And I went to University of Kansas. I graduated um, and went there. And I was miserable. Um, I didn't know where I fit in not playing, not playing sports, not being a part of a team, like depressed, drank a lot, smoked a lot, like <laughs> not good things. Didn't go to class, you know, all of those things. So yeah. Sorry. So, I keep talking. No, <laughs> you ahead. should keep, uh, this is okay. Couple, um, you mentioned like being a nerd. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Cause when, when I was growing up, which was slightly ahead of you. <laughs> I like to slightly. think you're like 20 years younger than me because you seem like you should be and you are. Um, it's not, it turns out you're like five years younger than yeah. me, which is fun, which means you have way more energy than me. But <laughs> So maybe we could loosely say when we were growing up, being yeah. a nerd was not like considered cool, mm-hmm. right? Like Revenge of the Nerds actually kind of made fun of nerds and tried to make nerds cool, but maybe that was the thing that started to shift. But um, Wilder, my daughter the other day, she was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm a nerd. I'm Mm -hmm. a nerd in school. It's cool. Like ran away. And I was like, it's cool (laughs) now to be a nerd. Like there's just so much more acceptance on just whatever people want to be, just be it kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Right. But did you sort of feel like you weren't in the cool gang? Um, absolutely. I, I always, I struggled with, um, self-esteem, um, image, body image, all of that. I mean, hands down. And I never felt like I really fit in anywhere. Um, with, on the, you know, we had a group of very eclectic friends. Um, and so I felt like I fit in there. Like I felt like I'd never got judged. I could just be me. Um, so, so yeah. And I, I think you're right. I, there weren't very many images. Um, even now, you know, my kids watch YouTube a lot and, and there's so many, I mean, they will watch, Avery will watch something about um, a girl making slime. Um, they made a slime out of like ramen noodles and um, hot sauce. And like, but it, the, you know, it, the girl didn't have to be, you know, a size two and gorgeous and all that to be able to have a stage, you know, YouTube and some of this user generated content has allowed what people really look like and who people really are to be showcased in a way where it never happened before. So now I think there's so many more role models and images of, um, of, of what people can be. So I, I, yeah. So I don't think there's the pigeonhole of, I mean, you hit it on the head with revenge of the nerds. There was like the jocks, right. And they were like, they were dumb jocks, right. So you're either dumb or like a, a blonde, you know, bimbo. Totally. So there was like, where else, I mean, where do you fit in? Who, there wasn't a real way to define who you were. So yeah, it's funny that you say that, but it was, that's definitely, um, it's cooler now, I think. 
It is. And, you know, you say like user generated content and, you know, these, these new role models coming out of things, but that may be true, but it takes the courage of people who are in positions of having a platform to actually Mm -hmm. showcase these women to allow the greater public to see them and then gain that awareness. So like, I think all the parts have to be pumping at the same time. And I, for one, am so glad that we are both on the right side of the tracks here. Yes. Which is amazing. Yes. I, I agree. And you know, it's funny, I had a realization. So, um, I was, and I've told you this before, I've always sort of been a, a little bit bigger. I mean, I, um, I've always had issues just with my body. I'm a tall woman. I'm a thick woman. Um, and you know, I've kind of dealt with that and gotten to a decent spot with it's taken me 43 years to get there, but, um, and I wouldn't say I'm there yet, but you know, it's different from when you're 20. And so now, um, and, and my daughter has asked me before, like, mommy, am I, am I fat? Like kids ask me that at school and my heart really broke. And, you know, it's funny. I, I'll talk to her because I know how I feel. And I want, I wanted someone to understand me when I was growing up and I don't feel like I necessarily got that. So I tried to have a lot of conversations with her about that. And I tried not to focus on how does she look? How does, but just, you know, that you're beautiful as you are, you're smart, you're all those other things. But Nicole, I realized, um, as we were talking, it didn't matter. I'd been giving her those messages over and over and over, but the images that she saw were only of very thin women. And I, it was like a light bulb went off in my head and I was like, well, you, you have to change what she's seeing, Sarah, because if she, it doesn't matter what you say, the, the images are so freaking powerful um, that, um, you know, that, that's where the story is. That's, and I do think, I mean, you look around, there's a ton of American Eagle where I shopped, you know, when I was in my twenties, they have all sizes. Now Athleta has all sizes. Lululemon is maybe going to get there at some point, like, but you know, and skirt sports, you guys have always been a leader in that and changing the imagery. So I just, I think it's really important for our next generation to have, to see themselves as they really are reflected in, um, in images. So you're you're right on. I mean, you know, I realized early on with skirt that I wanted to be an inclusive brand, not an exclusive brand. And that a lot of the marketing in the early days of when I had launched were all about this aspirational person. And I'm not saying you mm-hmm. shouldn't try to be aspirational. It's just that why did it always have to be about how she looked? Yeah. And she always had to look the same way. First, she was white. That's a problem too. Right. Then she was a size two. And then she was like unnaturally ripped. And then yeah. she had huge boobs. Like <laughs> this just doesn't all come together, you know, and like perfect skin <laughs> or teeth or, you know, it was just like, yes. oh my God. So, so I have to be a supermodel to be mm-hmm. that. And I think the point is here, we need to redefine what supermodel is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, you know, it, 
it's funny. Actually, I think you should share the story you shared with me before about the sizing when you took over and when you bought Zuma and you got mm-hmm. in there and you got in the, you know, you got dirty with the women. Oh, and yeah. your races, your first race or two, and, and you, people had some feedback for you about the sizing of the the swag and the cool stuff you get for doing races like yours. So maybe you can share that. Yeah, absolutely. I um I mean, it's funny because when I after having, you know, 12 years at, at Disney, I thought, "Oh yeah, I know I know what I'm doing. I know how to put on a race." And it was so different when I was out there on my own, you know, I had so many fewer resources and I just, I got my ass handed to me over and over and over for like the first (laughs) year to two years. Um, but I did, I had some women, um, come up to me who said, you know, we, um, we really love kind of what you're putting together here. Um, and you know, they could see like the glimmer of what it was going to be and it wasn't there yet, but they, they were awesome ladies um, out of the Northeast. And, um, and they said, you know, we'd like to come back, but I mean, you, you only went up to like a size XL and, and let's be clear, there was a small XL and it was a spandex shirt. So, or um, like a tech, like a fitted tech. And they were like, don't, you can't do that. (laughs) You can't do that to us. So if you can adapt your sizing a little bit more, we'd be happy to come back and and support you. And, and, you know, I, that was a really good learning right there. I was like, you know what? Absolutely. And so now, um, we often go up to a three X, um, you know, in our sizing just because that's some of the feedback that, that we've received, you know, and, and we should offer something for everyone in my, opinion. And so, you know, those ladies come back every single year and they support and we follow each other. We chat with each other. I mean, they just turned out to be really amazing supporters of Zuma and the brand, you know, but as, as an owner, it's so important that we listen to the feedback of our, of our consumers. And, you know, I learned that a lot when I was at Disney, we would go out to all these shows and it was one of my favorite things to do. So we'd go to all the rock and roll marathons or Boston or whatever it is. And, um, you know, the, the runner tells us what they, they want. The person, you know, consuming our product tells us what we're, what they want. It's a matter of whether we kind of listen to them or not and can hear the undercurrents and then bring that product to life. Um, I think that's kind of our responsibility as owners and, you know, yours too. I mean, you started your brand, Cause you wanted to cover up your butt and then, you know, you heard from all these ladies like, well, I want this. Can you do this? Can we, and it's, uh-huh. you know, you can't do everything. It's not financially feasible to run a profitable business and do what everyone asks you to do. Um, but you know, I think it's important that you listen and, and answer the, the call that the, that your consumer is giving you. That is why you are the perfect fit for skirt sports. Um, I actually have to share something so funny. This just happened. So you're, uh-huh. you know, you're really, you dove in head first into the apparel side. I mean, obviously you have experience with apparel, but not necessarily with making it from ground zero. And um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
you um you've been working we've been working on future seasons and mm -hmm. this is this is the hard thing because you have your own personal opinions for what you like what you yes. want to wear what you think might look good but yes. if you're really going to walk the talk and listen to your customers then when you put it out there and they say what they want and it's totally different than what you think you should make you it's a really hard place to come out of and the really funny thing is that this recently happened it was like the first time you had tiptoed into this arena you put you put some different mm -hmm. color options out to our group and the one you thought would be last was like first and you yeah. wrote me a note and you were like oh my god i feel your pain now <laughs> Getting it. I don't know what to do. And it's like, you're yeah. right. This is a hard thing. You don't know what to do. So it's just so fun in our lives to be constantly learning and pushing ourselves. And it's not just us. When you're doing it right, you're mm -hmm. listening to other people and they're included. So they're all going to help yeah. you grow, Sarah. <laughs> yes. Well, it's, it's, it's hard when I'm, I'm, sort of you have a gut instinct right which i've learned over time is never wrong um but when you can't quite rely on your gut it's like well what and, you know and and again when there's big financial commitments involved i mean that is a little it's a little nerve-wracking you know to to make those decisions when i'm like i would never choose that color or that that thing you know but ever but then you realize i'm like oh everyone has such a different sense of style and you know it's it's just a it's certainly a learning um for me i you know and it makes me um i have to share this story with you because as i as i started off as a business owner um, you know, it's one thing when you work for somebody, right. And they write you a check and you show up every day and you do the job and, and all that. And, um, but when I started as, when I purchased Zuma and started working on that, um, I mean, there were so many things and financially, um, it wasn't paying the bills, you know, the, for, at, at the beginning. And so there were all these things I didn't, I didn't know. And I've, I want to, I like to control things as an event planner, you know, and as a woman, let's be honest, I like to know what's coming when it's coming. I don't like to be sidetracked. You know, I like to, ha I like to be in control. Um, and I'm saying this because I have a feeling this might hit a nerve with some other women out there and you know i've gotten in my i've gotten in so deep um with with zuma um that i i was i didn't know what to do to be honest i had no idea to sort of get out of where i was and i couldn't see the path ahead of me it wasn't like hey sarah if you do x y and z this business is going to now become very profitable and it will be successful and it will be everything you wanted it to be. It was like one day I would shuffle to the right and that was a good decision. And then the next day I'd shuffle to the left and that was not a good decision. And I'd have to go back and, sh you know, so, um, it was such a tough learning for me. 
um, because I wanted to control it. I wanted to know the path. I wanted to say, well, if I do this right and that right and this right and that right, well, I'm going to get exactly where I thought I was going to be, you know, which is, I think a lot of times what we're told as women, like show up, be good, act right, look pretty, all those things, you know, and then you'll get the things that you deserve. And it was like, I was like, I don't think I deserve this. Shit. <laughs> so, you know, um, but that was three and a half years ago. And I remember calling my mom and I was like crying and I was like, mom, I don't know what to do. What should I do about this? And, you know, just full on inner turmoil. I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating. Um, and she was like, you know what? Cause I had called her that like that 20 different times. And finally I think she was just like, God, stop, <laughs> stop calling me Sarah. She was like, you know what I know about you, Sarah, is that you'll always figure it out. Is that you will always figure out. And it like flipped a switch on for me where I I was like, you know what? I will. You know what? I will. I don't always know the way, but I started to gather like this interesting belief in my own ability to to show up like every day. And um just it was really hard <laughs> you can tell i'm getting a little emotional but like it was so hard but then as i get here with you and the purchase of skirt it was this amazing journey where um i began to believe in myself and this feeds i swear this feeds back into this green skirt that we can't decide on but <laughs> You know, I, um, I learned over that three year journey that like, even if it wasn't right, or I didn't know what the end was, like, I just literally kept showing up like, okay, it's Tuesday, I'm going to show up and I'm going to make the best decision that I can today. And then it's Wednesday, and now things are changed, and I'm going to make the best decision today. And so, you know, when the opportunity to purchase skirt, um, when as you were kind of leaving, and it wasn't a, it wasn't something I had pursued, you know, you and I had just had had connections and came together. And, and I was like, you know what, I don't know how to figure all this out, but I will. And I could sort of trust myself and, and that path. And so even as we're looking at, you know, all these skirt colors, and I, it's not what I would think I, there's this sort of um, gained trust in myself as a business owner and a business leader. And um, that that we'll get there. You know, I don't know the answer. Um, and that's a really hard thing to admit. Um, but also really freeing to be like, you know what? I don't know. Let's, but you know what? Let's figure it out together. So anyways, that's my little, my side story, but hopefully that will help anybody who's listening. That's like, shit, what's happening today? Like, you know what sister, just keep showing up and it's going to be okay. There is so much in this. Um, first of all, the whole gut feeling thing, it's real, you know? And, it is. And, and the problem is when you don't really have one. You're like, oh, God, yes. I'm trying to reach into that gut <laughs> and I can't pull this thing out. And part of that yes. comes with not maybe not having the experience or the knowledge. I mean, there's certain situations you get in, you're like, oh, my gut feeling is that guy is smarmy. Don't yes. go near him. Or her, Those are know? usually right. Yeah. Those are almost always right. <laughs> but these are tough. And, you know, one thing I learned in business is there's a lot of gray. 
It's there not is. black and white. You don't control it. I think yeah. having kids is the number one, <laughs> you know, no number one teacher to let us, you know, realize we do not yes. control anything. But um, I also wanted You're to say, right. I feel like this philosophy on just show up, you're going to figure it out. First of all, mm-hmm. for you, it, part of it might have to do with the fact that somebody really believed in you first. And just hearing that from your mom, I mean, if yeah. anything, motherhood, being a mom, you have to have an unwavering belief that your mom believes in you. You know, you yeah. don't have to, but God, wouldn't that be nice? And the fact that your mom <laughs> does and that you carry yeah. that on to your children, that, that, that means more than anything. And so for her to just basically remind you of what you know, it flipped the switch. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I will tell you that when this is what's really cool about the parallel between our mindsets and our companies, um, when I started Skirt, I mm-hmm. had no idea how to start a clothing company. None. Yeah. But yeah. I, I remember Tim literally was like, so wait, you want to start a whole clothing company? Because it wasn't just one thing. It was like, no, I want to have like, yeah. I want to revolutionize a women's clothing and make it actually cute and perform yeah. and be comfortable and fit women's bodies. Like all the things, yeah. you can get them all at once. And he's like, well, how are you going to do that? And I just said, well, you're wearing clothing and I'm wearing clothing and I've seen a whole lot of people out there wearing clothing. So somebody figured out how to make clothing. So I'm going to figure it out. And I've always looked at it like you just take three miles at a time. Like you don't start a marathon thinking about the finish line. When you're at the starting line, you're like, okay, here's what I want to do for the first mile and the second mile. And then then like every mile you kind of reassess. Am I still on track? Yeah. Am I bonking? Do I need to like eat more food? You know, like, did I go off course? Right. So I think it's that idea of, yeah, there are problems and there are barriers and there is shit that will hit the fan that you have no idea and don't even expect. But when you have the mindset that you have, you're going to figure it out. And when you have a team of people and for instance, I will be on that team having your back. Yes. It makes you even stronger and more powerful. We can all yes. together figure this shit out. <laughs> right? That's, yes. And there is, that's what I've come to understand about a group of women too. It's like, you know, you, you just put it out there and then what comes back, like, we just, women can just figure it out, you know, and especially working together. Um, it's, it's some amazing things. Well, and you know, um, Nicole, when you and I started talking more, I hadn't, re- I wasn't aware and our paths were so parallel throughout really so much of this, the industry growth and, and the endurance industry coming to fruition. It's, it's just funny to me that our paths never really crossed, but when I met you, I, you're, I just admired your spirit. So so much. And as I understood that it really was the first, like you literally made the first running skirt and then you took it to market and you, I mean, you, it's so cool. And you're right. You just figured it out and you had someone like Tim who's supporting you and 
maybe thinks you're slightly crazy on the back end, but you know, still he was there. He, he was, was there. He was sort of supportive. Yeah. But you had like this desire to do, to do something different. So, you know, it's funny. I found, um, I went to Kirkland's one day and, you know, they have all these fun like sayings and things like this, but they have, I don't know if you can see it behind me, but there's a big sign that says, create the things you wish existed. And it just struck me when I saw that because that's exactly what you, sorry. Sorry, my earbuds. That's, um, that's exactly what you, you did. You were like, well, I want this and so I'm going to make it and I'm going to make it for other women. And I just, I think that's amazing. There needs to be so much of that in this world. There does. And when you, when you are in a position of leadership, like you are, you can help women create the things they wish existed in their lives. I happen to create a product that lots of people purchased and then they would bond over. Right. And that turned into this amazing community. But, um, we can make that a very granular sort of mantra. Right. And I think that's, that's what's really cool is you surround yourself by the sayings that motivate you. That, that saying that doesn't just motivate you. That saying probably lights a fire under your ass and also motivates an entire community that you have now nurtured. <laughs> oh my God. I actually, yes. I want I to go, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to tell you, I, the sign is behind me because I, if I put it in front of me, I don't think I would actually get all my work done. I would just be like, oh, what else do I wish existed? I could make this today and I <laughs> I could make that today. I had an intern at Disney one time. So we ha- after I was an intern and they hired me, then we got to have our own interns. And he he was really kind um, in the way that he said it. But he was like, Sarah, I, you know, I really enjoy working for you, but you're just, you're really creative and you just keep coming up with a lot of different things. But I don't know that I can do all the work that you're giving me so because I do you know there's just this generation of what if we could do this and what if this could happen and just kind of revolutionizing things um in a whole in a whole different way it's just it's so fun to live that way so I apologize I know I interrupted you no I interrupted you (laughs) do you remember what you were gonna say (laughs) kind of you know honestly um I just love this partnership. It's just so fun. I, I actually think this is going to be like a four-hour podcast. Did you eat dinner? <laughs> I did. Yes. It was, I had some burnt ends and french fries that my mother dropped off. Burnt ends? That is so funny. <laughs> they were funny. delicious. Well, oh, they're so good here. We're slightly polar opposites in some areas and then very aligned in others. But right now um, in my life, well, first of all, I'm sober. And also I'm a vegan. So I often call myself the sober vegan, which is like a total buzzkill for like any party. People are like, why would you hang out with her? Um, (laughs) Sober vegan. Oh my God. I didn't know you were a vegan too. Well, and so I was like a burnt end. What is an end? Like the end of a foot or is it like the end of the steak? The end of the butt? It's the butt? (laughs) 
support. You know, I don't know what it is because I don't, I won't eat like meat on bones. So like fried chicken, (laughs) ribs. So I think what the burnt ends are like the end of the rib. Yeah. Um, But it's like, they're very tender and um, just really, really good. And you don't have to like pull it off of a bone, which just, I don't, I know people love that. With like the little um, arteries that burst when you pull it off. Oh, God, stop. (laughs) I'm not trying to convert you or anything. Um, (laughs) No, seriously, it's funny because I call myself a Cheegan, which means I'm a cheating vegan. So I eat things that aren't only vegan when I want to or they're presented to me. Um, But what's also funny is just like being sober – when you are offered like a glass of fake wine and you drink yeah. it and you're like, this is so good. It tastes just <laughs> like wine. And then your friends who actually drink wine are like spitting it out. They're like, that's disgusting. And I'm like, oh my God, I thought it was really good because it's been so long. And the same thing with like meat. There's so many alternatives now. They make them yeah. taste really good, but I'm sure that to the person who actually eats the real thing, it's like, oh my God, that's a tempe burnt end. There's no way. It's not even close. (laughs) Right. Well, see, now I'm a fan of like the Morningstar Farms and like the the chick patties and the fake sausage and all of that. Like I, I actually don't, I don't eat meat very well. It kind of grosses me out a lot of times. Um, Except and it's, well, (laughs) When it's when it's sort of like covered in sauce and indistinguishable and, and warm and someone else drops it by, I'm going to eat that is what I'm yeah. going to do because I've yeah. been teaching school all day. But, um, but now I'm, I have to be gluten-free. And so a majority of those vegan or those meat substitutes have wheat fillers or things like that, that I, so really yeah, if true. I were to be vegan, I could, I could essentially eat beans and rice and that's it. and then some vegetables that would be that would be I'll, it. i'm gonna send you yeah. a recipe for the Daboom iron man cherry chili <laughs> we've had our recipe published um so is tim also then he's vegan it took him well. a while like he kind of used to make fun of me and then also would sort of act like it was sort of lame but then now he's sort of converted but he's oh. he's way more Cheegan than me. Yeah. So you kind of have to be if somebody in your household is vegan. Like, yeah. it's hard. What are you gonna do? Like, right. cook a big old burger and some bacon? Like, right. it's not gonna no. probably happen. No, and really, so. dairy's dairy's the thing that like goes. Yeah. First, you know, or, or in our world. Well, anyway, I don't know what went first. <laughs> But with this, we need to move on. Um, okay, you know what I want to do? Do you mind if we go back yeah. to, um, I kind of want to like face head first this self, self-esteem, self body image, self-confidence, fitting in kind of issue. And you, yeah. you started talking about it as in early in college, you got mm-hmm. there, you did not feel great. You were not going to pursue sports. You were going to pursue becoming a world-class surgeon. And yeah. it just was like not feeling great. You were drinking too much. You were smoking too much. Now, do you mean yeah. you were smoking weed or you were smoking <laughs> cigarettes? <laughs> uh, both. It was a little bit of, maybe a lot of both. 
<laughs> so, I mean, it's like, I know the alcohol side for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tried to, wanted to be a good weed smoker and I never was because alcohol yeah. was my vice. Mm-hmm. But um, I get that place of just using those devices to try to self-medicate a little bit and find yes. find a peer group or something, you know, let loose. Like how did that unfold for you? It, that's a lot of what it was when I was in high school, you know, there was just sort of none of that. I was in, I was raised in such a, such a small town. It was very deeply, deeply religious. Um, and there were sort of uh, just expectations for women, right? Like you didn't, you didn't have sex, you didn't, you didn't drink, you didn't, you know, you just, you didn't. And then I went to college and I was like, what is this? And, and, you know, put in there that I was uncomfortable in my own skin. And to be honest, I'd been uncomfortable in my own skin for years. Um, and I think that's where sports, um, you know, that's, that's where I felt comfortable. Like my, oh, my body's performing something, you know, um, it's used for something more than just, you know, trying to fit in or look a certain way that I never really felt like I accomplished. And it's funny because if you look back, I mean, I, I was, a, it's not like I was an unattractive girl and I, plenty of people would have, you know, said very nice things about me. So, but, but, you know, I think all women, I think all women feel that way. I was speaking to somebody the other day that's just, she's gorgeous. And she's like, I don't like my face. And I, and I was like, really, we all must feel that, that way. So, and I would like to point out that the world-class surgeon piece, um, as soon as I went to freshman biology, it also happened to be at eight o'clock in the morning in a group of like, I don't know, 500 students. Uh, I was out. I was like, this is not my jam. Like day <laughs> one. Was, yeah, <laughs> it, pretty much. I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. So, you know, and I had, um, college was just, it was, it was wide open. I came from the small town where sort of there are these rules of what you did. You, I knew at least how to play by the rules to, to fit in and, and get approval. But then I went, you know, to this university that was, um, there were sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and the rules were not the same. And I didn't know how, I didn't know how to fit in. I didn't know how to perform. I didn't know what to do. Um, and so, yeah, part, partly was, it was, well, oh, well, alcohol makes me feel way more comfortable, you know, or even the, the smoking, which is, fascinating to me that was like a way for me to mask my uncomfortableness it was something to do right something in between you and me as a person so I didn't have to connect with you like I really was a really afraid of doing it and didn't know how to I, I don't want to it wasn't that I didn't know how but you know you're just you're, when you're uncomfortable with yourself it's um hard to truly connect with with others and, and then throw in the fact that I didn't have my team, my sports teams, you know, I wasn't, I went to practice, I practiced two hours a day, probably from the time that I was like 12, you know, I ran, I was shooting hoops, I was, whatever it is, I was doing that. And then I was like, wait a second, I don't have to go to practice. And I only have class, like, I don't know, 
three three or four hours a day and I if I don't go I'm not gonna get in trouble I'll just fail like okay that's cool let's see <laughs> let's see what happens so um it was tough I almost dropped out after my second year um and again my mom I was going to become a florist or a hairstylist because I have a little artistic flair Wait, like a from- Surgeon Shit. to florist or <laughs> hairstylist. Okay. And, but story. still yeah. using your college degree. No, I was those. just going to leave after you my were gonna, second year of college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, um, I had you know, started to get some F's and D's and just was really, I was probably very depressed, um, by that time, um, as well. And so, um, again, you know, I, I remember meeting with my, my mom and, my stepfather and I laid out my florist hairstylist plan for them. And they were like, no, that's not going to work. Like, we know you're struggling, get your butt back into college, finish it up. You're going to be fine. And that was kind of like, okay, I can, you know, I can do this. And to be honest, that's probably also around the time when I started playing rugby. So that's, I had never even heard, heard of that sport before I mean I may have heard of it but I didn't really know much about it and so I went and um somebody told me one of my friends had gone to watch a game and she was like it was so cool they were lifting each other in the air and then they were tackling each other and they were punching each other and I was like oh sign me up can I go (laughs) I still remember so I went out you know for the team and um you know it was a club side team but um the women there are still some of my best friends today you know we i found a place to fit in again and and they they mostly drank and smoked more than i did um and so that was cool i was <laughs> the designated driver at the time or you know so but it was a tribe nicole i found my tribe and um and so that really sort of like reoriented me in back into my life. I was like, oh, okay, I have that. And then I started running the team. Like, so I was a good athlete, but I, I became the president of the team. We started booking travel. Like, so we went, we flew to Las Cruces, New Mexico from Lawrence, Kansas. Like that's it. And we were so proud of ourselves. Like, oh my God, we just arranged this trip. And, um, and then we eventually went on tour to Scotland, England and Wales. And so the administrative side of of putting a team together of of um coming together through sort of athletics is where i found i was like a little niche of of wow this is really fun i would play in tournaments and you know i would oversee the revenue sources and we'd charge for parking and i'd make t-shirts and we sell them and you know so it's just funny when i look back because it's it's all what led to kind of where I am now, but kind of also righted my path. Um, in college, it was a really, it was a really dark time for me. I will, I can say that now because I'm like, what is it? 20, God, is it 20 years? I think it's been like, it is a 20 years since I graduated, but it was a tough, it was a tough time, you know, yeah, I, I I mean I feel like you definitely you hit one of your like low spots 
at that time in yeah. your life? And maybe it was the lowest. I don't know. Have you, has, was that, did that set the yeah. precedent for kind of a gutter, you know, yeah. moment for I you? Would say, I would say the majority of college was, there were some highs, but there were a lot of, there were a lot of lows. Um, and there were a lot. So, um, was it, do you look back and do you think it was important for you to have those, that period of life be less than the positive college experience so many people have? Or do you kind of look back and go, God, I wish I wouldn't have tortured <laughs> myself for four years? <laughs> That's sort of, I, I wish I had been more. I wish I had had less expectations for myself. I think that's what it was because I really enjoy, I, I had a wonderful time, but there was always this deep, dark cloud of self doubt underneath it all that would pull me back. Uh, you know, this idea that I wasn't enough. I wasn't good enough. I was never going to amount to the things that I thought I should be amounting to you know, and that I, there was this belief that I needed to, to get married and have kids and be, you know, I find a husband and like, I don't know, by the time I was 24 or something. And if I didn't, I was a failure. Like, I, I wish I could have been like, you know what, Sarah, it's cool. Just things are going to be fine. Have a good time till you're 24, get your stuff done, but enjoy. And then the rest of life will be there. But I didn't, I didn't know how to I didn't know how to do that. Um, and so I think that's a lot of what, but I mean, you must know about this too, because if, if you're sober, then I'm guessing alcohol helped you cover up <laughs> the deep, dark parts of you that you. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about me in a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I'm saying it's, it's yeah. the same, right? Yeah, it is. Those, and um, it's the demons or whatever they are. What definitely, definitely. They're dark. And it's like, and I, I am will love to go down that rabbit hole too. And I think we should save that for the episode when you interview me. Because yeah. um, because there's a lot of learning and there's a lot of things that can maybe help some other people too. But you know what it what it comes down to, at least when I was younger, and it and what from what you've said is that you had a lot of self-doubt and you didn't know how to deal with that and you didn't know how to rectify that. So Mm -hmm. now I'm interested in like, well, when did that change or did it change? You know, you are human. We all have doubts from time to time, but to be doing what you are doing today requires a different level of human than you were back then. (laughs) So what happened to shift your mind to a place of the positive to get you out of the darkness? That is a good question. I think let's be clear that there is still mountains of self-doubt that, um, that I fight against um, probably on a daily basis of, um, you know, who are you to do this? 
who are you to achieve your dreams? Who are you to um, be where you are? That I'm an imposter, that I'm a fake, that you know what I'm saying? All those things are still, they're still there. Um, I, you know, I had some, um, I did probably a solid five years of therapy. <laughs> the, um, the one fascinating thing that, that um, the woman's name was Julie. She was amazing. And she, you know, I would go to her and I would say, I, I don't have any friends and no one loves me and I'm this terrible person. And she would teach me that um, perception, my personal perception does not equal reality. So you may feel that, but that's not necessarily true. And she helped me understand how to stop um, kind of this spiraling um, thought pattern, you know, where you start with this pattern of like, well, I'm not good enough. And that's evidenced by the fact that no one calls me and nobody's asked me out on a date and nobody, you know, and again, you're 22, 23. So really you have no coping skills whatsoever. And, um, you know, she really helped me understand, um, how to get outside of my head, how to stop the negative thinking, how to, um, rework what I was thinking in my head. And so I had a lot more tools, uh, you know, ways to talk myself out of the way I was feeling. And then I think just experience and kids, I think having kids makes you, I, I don't know, it, there's a big change. And I don't know if that happens for everyone, but I, that was, it was like one of the true things I knew I wanted in my life. Um, and once I had them, it was kind of like, okay i've got like like if nothing else quite goes right that that went right does that make yeah sense? i mean first i i i want to like have a comeback and maybe you do to your head voice that says who are you to achieve your dreams right like do you just right. go i am blank like how do you how do you I, how do you stop know. it now? I don't, uh, I think what helps is I look at the positive impact of what I've done, what, what kind of Zuma does for women, uh, you know, even then with skirt, knowing what you've already accomplished and knowing that those two will come together. Um, I think I try to make it less about me and more about, um look what i've look what i what kind of community we're able to create and um maybe i'm this is what i'm supposed to be this is what i'm here for does that make that is the answer <laughs> this yeah. this is this is it and it could be the community or going back to your kids it could be these two beautiful little human beings that you created and you're raising. Yeah. Um, and you know, motherhood, we hit on that throughout this episode. And I think, I think it's a really important topic. It's a big part of your life. Look at you. It is. You 
I don't even know how you are awake and, and like sitting at this current moment, like looking halfway decent, like actually you look really good, but like, you know, the point is you are, you have just acquired a large organization that has quite a learning curve and so much excitement and potential while you are running quite a large organization that has, you know, a lot to do and a lot of potential still. And you have made the decision to be the primary homeschooler during this freaking COVID situation (laughs) that we're in. And you can literally work in between like your kids running in for help and in the night nights and weekends, like, but you're doing it. And so I sit there and I'm like, you are the reason that some, there's something so special about you in the fact that you're such a visionary, you're not going to let your goals and dreams slip by just because of some other daily tasks that need to be done. But at the same time, you're still going to put your number one priority first. And that right now is your children, not Mm -hmm. this new company you just bought. You know, your kids (laughs) come first. I have seen you on conference calls. Your daughter, Avery, loves you more than I've ever seen a kid love a parent. She constantly runs in. And this is what she asks you. Can I just have a hug? I'm sorry. My daughter doesn't constantly run in and ask for sweet hugs. Instead, she's like, mom, I'm hungry. Can I have some pirate's booty? And I'm like, go get it. You know, it's not like, yes, shower me with your hugs and love while I'm trying to run an empire. So, you know, I just, that's just a long rampage, but it's just my observations of you. You are you are taking on this incredible task, but you will always have your priorities first. And so when you say that one of the things that might have helped to bring you out of that place of self-doubt and darkness into maybe your real purpose in the world, it was the decision to have children. And I want to talk about it. Can we talk about it? <laughs> yeah. So how absolutely. do you like that intro to that uh, <laughs> this topic? Yes, I would like, before we jump into that, though, I would like to point out that uh, today was the first shower I had in about three days. So I have some dry shampoo that goes in, <laughs> allows for, so, and then I did put on some makeup, you know, for today, but that's, this is not the usual occurrence. So let's be, it's because you told me you were going to put me on video and then you said you weren't going to, which I'm still totally fine with. <laughs> but there has had to be some very solid prioritization um, uh, of uh, during this this time of of COVID. So yeah. Well, let's go back to you know we know you're at Disney for a decade or a little more maybe, yeah. and it's during that time that you actually you you were in a relationship. You decided it's time mm-hmm. to have kiddos. Like, how did this all come together? Well, I had always known that I wanted to have kids. So, um, and, um, so I, let's see, what year is it? It's 2020. Um, so I had, uh, a partner at the time, Jen, 
And when we had met, we knew that we um, both had wanted kids. And so um, we, this is a very personal journey that I don't normally put um, in public. So I will, uh, um, if I stumble, that is why. Um, so, you know what, too? Just mm-hmm. share what what feels right. It's all right. It's not like, you know, our, our like, personal lives, our sex lives. I mean, having kids, this is like, we're talking about the, the deep stuff here. So whatever feels yeah. right. Um, well, we, um, we both knew that we wanted children. And so um, we decided we decided to do that. Um, Avery, is, she was born in 2011. So I had been at Disney for quite some time. Um, and I guess six, it would have been about six years. And, it, you know, we were have deep heavy into, you know, building out our West Coast events, our East Coast events, growing, building, all of that. So it was a very fast paced life. Um, and so I ended up getting pregnant with Avery. Um, and that was, it was awesome. Um, and it was really hard. I was like, pumping milk at, you know, in my office, um, and storing it. I didn't want to put it like in the shared refrigerator. So I'd have to put it in my, I'd bring like little coolers that would go, you know, it's just, um, and so, and that was when, you know, I learned a lot about not judging, um, because I was like, Oh, I'm not, you know, I was very heavily into my career. And I thought, I'm not going to be that mom that cries when I drop my kid at, at daycare. I cried all day long. You know, everything that I said I wasn't going to do, I was like, within six months, I was like, whatever, just admit that you are the cliche and that's going to be fine, you know? So, um, so yeah, I had her. And then um, about two and a half years later, I was pregnant with Jackson. And so, um, and when I came back, from and I, I wasn't like a good maternity leave kind of mom. I wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna cuddle my you know what I did on my maternity leave with Jackson. Um, I organized my entire pantry. I got matching baskets, I labeled them, and then like there was a basket for Mexican food and a basket for, you know, chips. And I mean, this is what I did. I was like, is it time to go back to work yet? So I was, you know, not like a great snuggler so it's funny that Avery likes to get hugs um but um I went back and kind of my world was turned upside down a little bit we had some major executive changes and a lot of um just a lot more expectations on my time and um you know here I have two small children one is like three months old and he was sick all the time and um you know I'm trying to be a professional and uh, it just it was really really crazy so I ended up that's partly why I left Disney um, was because I Avery was so shy she really struggled um, to I mean she wouldn't even leave my my side we did find out um, that part of her issue was she had tonsils the size of like large golf balls so she had so my daughter had sleep apnea so you could hear her snoring it was like a truck driver like you could hear her snoring. at like four yeah 
Yeah. And so she ended up, she ended up like, um, she was waking up six to 10 times an hour every single night. So essentially my daughter had never had a good night's sleep and was just sort of like cranky and all this. And plus, you know, I was, here I am, I'm, I'm a mom of two. I'm getting up. I wake up at at 7 a.m. in hopes that I get two minutes to myself. And then I'm, I start checking email and then I get everybody ready. I get myself ready. I take everybody to daycare. I go to work. You know, I have a crazy day that's jam packed with meetings and everybody wants something from me. I get no, no, no actual work done. I'm in meetings all day. And then I come home, I make dinner, I pick up the kids and I'm kind of like angry at everybody the whole time and stressed and frustrated. And I can't wait to get them to bed because then I just want to catch up on my work in the evening. And it was like, it was a cycle, and then I'm, you know, I'm watching my daughter not. She just needed me, and I was like, "This isn't gonna work." So I, I don't think I've told you this story, but um, I was in a pound class. Have you ever done pound, where you get the drumstick and you're like pounding on the ground? Like I love group fitness classes. That's that's what I best at. Oh, but I need to try yeah. that one. You should. So they play like Aerosmith and like all these like old school jams and things. And you take these drumsticks and you're drumming. And I, it was, I had this like epiphany during that class of that I needed to go into business for myself. I didn't know what that meant, but I thought I was looking for a different solution for my family, you know, for, for me to be able to be there and to support them and to be with my daughter more. And so like that evolved about six months. It took about six months before then I finally left. And then the election happened. Um, it was right at the end of 2016. And I'm like crying because it wasn't even so much that I loved Hillary. I was so mad. That election showed me how much women were not yet equals with men. Like if you had asked me before that, I was like, oh yeah, we are equal. We are on the same level ground as men. Everything's fine. And then I was like, oh, shit. We're not even close. And I was pissed. And so you kind of put the two of those together. And that's when I ended up um, leaving Disney to, to purchase Zuma um, was so that I could really be more present for my family, but then also do something that meant something in this world. I wanted to mean something. And so it's, you know, that's kind of where the kids, I don't know if I'm answering, if I'm answering here. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it all makes total sense. I mean, you had kids, you spent their first couple years focused on your career and you yeah. were pissed. Like no one was happy and the kids weren't doing well. And yeah. your relationship probably was suffering, I'm assuming. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it, that is how decisions get made. And you have to make the hard decision because the easy yeah. decision financially, if you take money out of all of our equations, we'd make very yes. different decisions. But, <laughs> you know, you would have stayed yeah. at a steady job that probably paid you fairly well, maybe not as much as the yeah. men. Damn right. it. But right. um, you made a decision to go you know, kind of branch out on your own. And I actually, yeah. didn't we have that conversation where you were like, I wanted to see you, you know, pick some other women's brains about like business. Did we have this conversation? Maybe I did call you during that time. 
Yes, because maybe that's what it was. I was like, yeah. I would not buy an event company. That is not what I would do. <laughs> I and do I think I was that. in like this, we had just gone through some, you know what it was? I think we had just mm -hmm. dropped our events division because oh. events were so shaky for a while. Something yes. happened, like the themed events came in and it was just, the world got shaken up there. And I was like, I don't know what's going on here. So we're out. <laughs> and I was like a little bit, contrary to my usual, you know, was not super positive. And I remember, I think yes. I remember telling you, like, I would not touch that. And then yes. you did it. And thank <laughs> God you freaking did. I mean, I hope you don't ever listen to me going forward. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am definitely, you have so many good things to say. Well, but you know, I trusted my gut. I, I had to, I, you know, honestly, Nicole, I was, I was looking for something um, I wanted something else. And, you know, you mentioned this kind of idea that I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm putting my kids first during COVID and things like that. And, um, I'll tell you me being with them, like I've had more time with my kids, you know, everybody's been together really since March and, I didn't realize how much I had missed out. I didn't, I didn't understand as they were in daycare and I just expected that that's what was going to happen. You know, and my mom worked. Um, so it was just, this, you know, I always wanted to be kind of this career woman. And I thought that that meant, you know, being in an office. And I thought, I thought having a career and being a successful career meant a certain thing. And so I never once questioned that my kids were in, you know, daycare from at three months, you know, on and, um, and now, you know, I also understand that COVID is this moment in time, right? The world is going to go back. And it's, especially as event professionals, you know, this too. I don't think I've, I'm, I don't know that I've really had a day off since like 2005, probably. <laughs> You know, the world hasn't slowed down when you're, especially when you're in events, you're just nonstop. And that's how I like to be. And COVID has made me like slow my roll. I can't go to events. There's no fear of missing out. There's nothing to miss out on. Um, you know, all the, the major events that happen in our industry stopped. And it's left me kind of looking around and saying, oh, oh my kids are, these are my kids and oh, I can spend time with them, you know? And, um, so that's part of why I've even made the, the decision to be with them right now. It's because I, a, I'm never going to get this again. Um, but, and you know, there's only so long that they really, really like you, you know, and want to hang out with <laughs> mine are still in that, that phase. So, you know, um, there's certainly been some learnings um, there. I, I wouldn't say regret. I don't necessarily regret, you know, what I had done, but I think there's an opportunity for me now with this nine. And I'm sure you see it with Wilder as well of like, you don't really know what to do. There's nothing to do together, but stay in the house, but you're still together, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's cool. It's totally. really, it's really nice. So. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, um, 
It is funny. There is a period of time when they want to hang out with you and it won't yeah. be every day that she comes in for a hug. She'll come in to grab yeah. your car keys, you know, right. and my wallet. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we're kind of building to something here because, you know, I think this is, you're right. This is a really like unique moment in time. And a lot of people are complaining about it and I could complain about it. Sure. But, um, the people who are are going to, you know, I don't know. I think there are other people who can be setting themselves up for an even better life afterward yeah. by appreciating some of the things about what's going on right now. So one of the things that happened to you over the past year is that your, you had, your relationship dissolved. Is that right? Yeah. So I think I sent you an email when Skirt was having, I was trying to drum up some cross promotions like last fall. So it was like, who knows, October, November, 2019, I send you an email and I didn't hear back and I'm just moving on doing, trying to keep my ship rolling and, and going forward. And then in April, I had realized that too many things had happened where skirt sports was going to struggle to recover from some of those things. And we needed to make the decision to either find a new owner or close our doors. And because a new owner is a big question mark, I kind of just had to make the decision to close the doors and hope that I could find the right fit. Cause here's the other thing you're looking for a new owner. You're, you know, you're, (laughs) You're hoping to find the perfect owner, but I mean, how often does that really happen, right? (laughs) So you're just kind of like open. I was just sort of open to all kinds of things. So the reason I bring up the relationship is you were slightly overwhelmed last year around that time with your own personal life imploding and trying to figure out what the heck was going on with you. So, you know, you were letting your emails build up. You're like cross promotion. I don't want to do a cross promotion (laughs) right now. I got to figure out my freaking, you know, life. Yeah. And so here I am in April getting ready to launch what we called our finish line sale. And I get this sweet little email from you who doesn't have any idea what we're about to do because no one did. And you're like, hey, Nicole, I'm just catching up on emails. And in my head, I'm laughing because it is totally something I would do six months later, randomly write somebody who'd sent me an email. You were like, do you still want to do a cross promotion? And I know we have this email somewhere, but I think I said something like- like, no, I don't really want to do a cross promotion, but if you'd like to buy my company, I'd like to talk. <laughs> Something yep. along those lines. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> I was like, Sarah from Zuma? There's a reason she's emailing me right now. So, um, so when you got that note back from me, like, what was your first gut reaction? I was like, no, absolutely. <laughs> no. That's not, no, I'm not, I wasn't in the market for a skirt company. Uh, and I, but you know, I'm curious, my nerd little self, I'm like, well, you know what? I mean, well, let's just see, like, let me ask some, let me ask some questions. And, you know, I had to sign the NDA and, and, um, you know, I just, I don't know, I guess I just kind of was like, well, well, let's see. I mean, I didn't really think that, um, 
I didn't think that I that it was something that I could I don't know take on or really just even afford to purchase you know um and there just were a lot of things that I I mean it just kind of took me off of guard but I loved your direct ask it was like it was kind of almost an invitation from you to me like well I don't know do you you know, no, we can't cross promote, but I mean, it was a really direct ask, but do you want to buy my company? I was like, oh, well, would you like me to? So, you know, it's funny because, and like I said, you know, you and I have known each other. We've known of each other um, and, you know, connected here and there. I think we've had mutual respect for each other as female business owners, but we had not spent a lot of time together. And I think what really struck me as we went through the process was how much I freaking liked you. I just, from the get-go, your spirit is just so, like you are just a force to, and such a genuine force. I've met so many people in my life and so many are not genuine, but you just have um, an energy about you that is just, it's like nothing I've ever encountered before. And I think more than anything, I, I was, I just kept wanting to talk to you. I just kept wanting to talk to you and learn more. And, and you know, it gets lonely being in our kind of these female entrepreneurs where you don't have a lot of, there's not an, there's not an industry to benchmark. You don't, you know, there's not, 10,000 CEOs of a bank and you all go to a conference. It's like, there's no, there's, there's like one of you and one of me. And so um, I think that just even that conversation was um, so welcome, you know, but it just, it started to make sense, Nicole. It's, it, I mean, how was it from your end? Did you, when I emailed you, was that, were you like, was that exciting? We've never actually talked about this before. Like, were you? Yeah. So, you know, my ideal would have been to have a women's business in the health and outdoor space, right? Like the health and fitness mm -hmm. world. So whether it's a, another apparel company, and I was talking to Title IX, and I don't uh, think I told you that. That you was didn't. The, I always wanted to know who else you were talking that to. That was the one. Know. So I was talking to them early, but COVID hit. They got, I mean... They couldn't, they couldn't even get back to me after a certain point. You know, they had retail yeah. stores. Um, I was talking to other business owners. I had reached out to, I hadn't reached out to anyone in the event space. Mm -hmm. For some reason, it, it didn't like, it wasn't top of mind. Yeah. But when you wrote, I was like, well, that makes total sense because number one, when my community does events like that is mm -hmm. their birthday party like every time they get to do an event <laughs> is like the best day of the year right and your runners love the swag that's what yeah. represents the fact that they got to do this great event so it's just this like full emotional experience that women have when yeah when you when you pull these two things together i was like well that's kind of a no-brainer i hope i can talk sarah into it <laughs> <laughs> but i mean the truth is i just really felt the same way like we really the rapport with you was phenomenal your 
you're, you've, you're a great visionary. I've said this before, but you really, you have a great vision and it's evolving. I mean, it's going to keep evolving and that's what continues to make you a great visionary because you're not stuck. You're open and you're open to learning. You're also, um, you know, sometimes I think it's hard for, for different people with different dynamics and how they work to actually like be productive because some people are too harsh. Some people Mm -hmm. are too soft. Some people can't make a decision. Some people, you know, think their way is the only way. And you've just got this, like you balance, you balance it all. And I can see that it's something that you've learned. And I can also tell that you've had therapy, (laughs) (laughs) which is a good thing because it's, it's, it, it, you know, it kind of takes you, you can get really stuck in your own mind. And when you're talking to someone trying to explain things and like throw this idea out at them or something, what you will do is you will step back and go, okay, so what I'm hearing is, <laughs> and I'm like, that's a therapy language. I need that right now. But there's something about you that, you know, I feel like you've learned to play well with others, but you've also really learned how to hold your ground when you need to. And that was really fun for me, even in negotiations with you in, uh, you know, taking over ownership of the company and buying the company, you know, there were, I could just see there were certain things that were really important to you and you know what it did? Yeah. It inspired respect. And that Mm -hmm. is the key to a good relationship. When you can inspire respect in other people, and that hopefully you respect, then it we're setting a really strong foundation. So I, I feel that way about you. And um, it was really fun. The dating process was really fun. And now we're married. <laughs> yes, we are. We are. Well, and I don't know that everyone knows that we sort of like broke up for like 30 days. Yeah, we had a break. We had a break. We did. Well, and it's so funny because we were like, it was it's almost like it was meant to be because I know I was feeling very stressed and how was I going to get all of this together and, and moving forward. And then you kind of called and said, Hey, we need to halt while we look at something else. And, you know, I was a little heartbroken, but I was also like, well, okay, well I'll be here. You know, I, I want the best for you, but I'm here. And, um, and I think that month it was just, but when we came back, I don't know, I just felt so much more calm. And like, we, we like missed each other. And I was trying to give you your space. I wanted to blow you up every day. How's it going? What's, what are you doing? What are you, you know? And I could, we, we couldn't. I mean, I think that was, it was nice to see two, two female leaders sort of having that mutual respect for each other. And, and then when we did come back together, it was like, I mean, I think, I think we announced within two weeks of, um, of kind of you coming back and you were like, okay. It just, I think it made you more sure about your decision. Um, it made me more certain about the decision as well. Um, it was kind of a nice. Oh, oh look, wait, hold on. You get. You want to say hi, Wilder? Oh, hi, sweetie. Hi, hi pretty girl. How are you? Good. Oh, so this is my version of an Avery. Hey, what are you doing? Can I, can I get back to you in a minute here? I'm almost done. I'm Sarah, the new owner of Skirt Sports. Okay, I did. Well, she has a daughter named Avery. Isn't this fun? This is um, 
interviewing during COVID times. Hey, scoot out. I'll be with you in a minute. Okay? Okay. Rude. rude. Maybe they should. She slammed the door on me. Now I'm rude. Maybe, they, maybe Wilder and Avery should interview each other. When do, what is Avery's actual birthday? Um, October 6th. Yeah, Wilder's December 30th, 2011. They're soul is sisters. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sarah. We were totally knocked up at the same time. We basically yeah. had twins. We need to hang out we more did. in person. <laughs> um, you, you know what? I think from our conversation, are we like, we're, I think we're close to two hours in here. Oh I'm yeah. Hoping. We're almost, we're, we're yeah. just going to keep going. Just kidding. We're, we're going to wrap it up soon. We are. Well, but there's a little more. But it, it does make me think though that, I mean, we have discussed the potential for a podcast. Just some of the conversations, you're a really good question asker. Um, and so I just, I think there's a lot of relevant information and conversations in here. Just, I don't know about, about women that I don't know that always get discussed. So I think we have some good topics here we can. Well, one of our problems is that yeah. we are both idea people. And so a podcast is a whole nother venture. But I will tell you yes. this: I don't really have a job now, so I'm happy to take the <laughs> I'm happy to take the reins on that one. And yeah, we're going to be doing it. We are going to be putting together yeah. a podcast. Yeah. So Sarah, you just wait. You just let me direct you on this one, okay? Perfect. Okay. We'll keep it to less than two hours, though. So. Yeah, that <laughs> might not be form. the ideal listening time. <laughs> Only people on very long runs can listen to our yeah. podcast. <laughs> Well, you know, I think at the end of the day, we are sitting here. We are less than one month out from passing the baton, which, by the way, was so classic. You are the most amazing, amazing. and creative um, <laughs> content, you know, idea generator. <laughs> and, um, and then, of course, my Wi-Fi went out, so the whole baton passed. Right. You sitting there smiling, looking pretty, and then me looking like a monster. <laughs> It's very funny, but, um, but that's, that's also kind of fitting because, you know, I've had my time in the spotlight for 15 years and we're going on our sweet 16 in two days and it is truly your time to take that baton and run. And I will be here to back you up every step of the way, which I am so absolutely excited about. That's awesome. I am too, Nicole. And I, I just, the legacy that you have built, I feel so grateful to be able to take that on and, and move it forward. And, you know, you asked, um, you mentioned before, like, how in the world am I able to teach these kids and run Zuma and run this? And what maybe everybody doesn't know is that the majority of your team is still supporting Skirt. And so as I sit there at my desk, you know, teaching my son how to add some numbers together. Um, and I think, God, how am I doing this? I, I think to myself, um, there's such an amazing team of women that's already here between Zuma and then now the skirt sports team. It would be impossible to do this without, I mean, the, the girls are just coming up with amazing stuff already, you know, and send me this and do that. And I'm like, this is great. And, and that I think is such that speaks volumes to the kind of leader that you were 
as well, Nicole, the team that you built. I mean, it, it wouldn't be possible to do this in the way that we have without um, you and your team, you know, helping uh, carry the torch. So I, um, I'm eternally thankful for that. And I think we have a lot of really, really cool, awesome things that are ahead of us um, and ways that we can help um, women runners, women athletes, active women, you know, I, there's just so many amazing things that are, that are to come. So I look forward to, to doing those with you and uh, with the skirt and with the Zuma community. So many. Absolutely. Awesome it's not only combining communities, it's combining teams, combining leaders, and we need women to be on the same level or maybe a little higher than men. Yes. <laughs> yes. Back to your uh, election, you know, story. <laughs> and the only way we're going to do it is by elevating yeah. all of us. Yeah. So, I agree completely. So Sarah, I just have to not let you off the hook on the final <laughs> nugget here. So I'm going to ask you yeah. the final question that I ask everyone oh. who comes on the podcast. Yeah. You're going to be awesome. So prepped. Well, you know, I like to spring it on people. <laughs> um, and that is, if you can leave our listeners with one final nugget, one little piece of advice to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would you, the new leader of the new universe of women's dominance, Sarah Ratzliff, I'm dragging it out for you. <laughs> What would yours be? So I have, here's what I, here's my nuggets of wisdom. Number one, always trust your gut. It does not lie. And do you know, it's not just your gut. We call it our gut, but it's your voice. It's, Nicole's gut is Nicole's voice talking to her. My gut is Sarah's voice talking to her. We know at the core of who we are, what we want to be. And when you follow that voice, it will not lead you wrong. And then number two, don't play small. Playing small, I say this from experience, does nothing for you and it does nothing for the other. Well, for the others around you, it sometimes makes people feel a little bit better. But don't be afraid to play big and let your light shine because we will all be better for it. So those are my two, those are my two wisdom nuggets. Thank you, Sarah, for playing big. Can't wait to <laughs> play even bigger in the future. Uh, thank you, Nicole. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Well, no, you'll be on again. We're gonna have an, oh, we're gonna have right. our own show. Oh yeah! Now I get to shine the light on you, sister. Yeah. <laughs> Until then. Okay. Bye. All right, everyone. We've been going for a long time today. Hopefully, you're on a long run. <laughs> so I'm not gonna make this this much longer, but I am going to tell you one of the favorite my favorite things that Sarah said. And it, I believe, is the sign that sits behind her because if she stared at it all day long, she would just do what it says. 
Create the things you wish existed. And so my friends, I think now is a really good moment for you to come up with at least one thing you wish existed. Say it out loud wherever you are, loudly, softly, whisper it, whatever you need to do, put it in your mind and help that thing form life someday. All right, everyone, that's it for today. I, I couldn't be more grateful. This is a crazy freaking road that we are on. For some, it's a roller coaster. For some, it's a washing machine. For some people, it's a nice winding trail. For me, hey, it's all of it at once right now. Next time you hear from me, I'm going to be living up in Steamboat Springs, and we'll talk more about that later. All right, guys, because this podcast is about moving, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and we'll see you next week.